Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today is a very special episode of the Waveform Podcast. Mm-hmm. I would say for a couple reasons, but number one, first in-person guests we've ever had in the new Waveform studio, Colin and Samir, welcome to Waveform. Thank you. We're, we're honored to be here. So some of my favorite YouTube creators, and I, my goal is to have all of my favorite creators come to the studio so we can talk about YouTube and talk about everything related to this job. But we share this job of making videos on the internet. And I have a lot of questions that are sort of generally in the like creator economy world. And we'll talk sure. about a bunch of that stuff. But for the for the uninitiated, do you have like a like a spiel that you give for like we describing have, we have your many job? a spiel. Many a spiel. We'll do it as quickly sure. as possible. Sure. Um we started on YouTube ten years ago. Um, we started making extremely niche content on YouTube just because there was no other place to make it. And yep. it was all content about the sport of lacrosse, which we played. Right. Uh, both of us played that. And that kind of helped us navigate through this, you know, this world of of making content and aggregating a community of like-minded people mm-hmm. that that really couldn't exist anywhere else. And it was a network and and content that we wish we had when we were younger. Like we wish we had a place to hang out and watch videos about athletes and yeah. you know what was going on in our community. And yeah. so we went through that process. Um, we built a network. We turned it from one channel to 60 channels and we ended up selling the company in, in 2014. Mm. Uh, we stayed on with the sports company that bought us and we worked with you know all types of different creators, most notably Dude Perfect. Mm. Uh, found our way through like working with brands, working with creators and fell in love with just this, just the, the world of YouTube because it gave us a career and we felt like we wanted to help others get a career as well. And so today we make content about creators for creators where, you know, not only are we um, trying to tell the stories of of creators, but also having creators like you on the show to help people who are just starting out or even other people in this career learn about what is this career of being a creator and how do yeah. we pull a community together of people who are taking this really seriously and want to do it as a profession. Yeah. I've been watching you guys' videos on creators and interviews on the YouTube landscape for a while. You've been also, Andrew, you've been watching a couple of them. I've been telling everybody to watch them just because they're really good, but also like, let's find as many different ways to tie these experiences we've had together as we can. Um, But one of the common things I've noticed, so we've talked about like everything from like the Mr. Beast of the world to all the other tech YouTube creators. 
And one thing that I keep noticing that I always want to like explore is the advice that you can get from a creator about YouTube, about the platform, about how to make better videos doesn't necessarily always apply. Mm. And so watching, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and plug right off the bat. It'll be in the show notes. The, the video you did with Jimmy where you hung out with him, you were in his studio, get all kinds of this awesome information out of him and about YouTube and about the way he approaches making videos. And I, I want to listen to that whole thing and just, just take every little bit of advice I possibly can to make our videos better. But not all of it actually works and applies to tech. So I'll just give a quick example. You might say something like, uh, you really want to be um, introducing people to a storyline within the first 10 seconds of a video. But that bit of advice might not work if you're trying to review a product, for example, and you have to talk to the person considering buying the thing immediately. They would leave if you started telling a story and it has nothing to do with the product. So I'm curious when you guys talk to a bunch of different creators and different genres who have different pieces of advice that they give, do you find that there's more overlap or almost no overlap between, let's say, a beauty creator or a tech creator or a vlogger and all the different types of YouTubers you've talked to? So I, I personally actually disagree about okay. what you just said yeah. about tech videos. Interesting. I actually think you can introduce multiple narratives, introduce new stories when it comes to the product. It's just not the same way. It's not you telling a story, but if you said like, there's two things I really like about this and one thing I really don't. Mm. All of a sudden, you've just introduced something that I'm waiting for. I see. That's a story. What's the thing Marquez doesn't like about this? And I'm mm. waiting for that. And so I think actually a lot of the advice that he's giving is the way I take it is more of this just general storytelling advice. And if someone's, you know, you're introducing a, a product and there's no tension, there's no nothing new that's going to happen, mm -hmm. um, then I might not stick around. And I think, you know, I think Colin should explain also this advice from the creators of South Park when it comes to storytelling. And I actually think storytelling advice applies to everyone who's telling a story. Yeah, there's this clip where the creators of South Park are speaking to a class and they said that a really bad story will go like this. It'll go, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And you think like that's, a, that's an extremely boring way to intake information. Yeah. And what you want is a story that goes, this happened, but then that happened. Therefore, this happened. So you want some causation between the mm -hmm. beats in your story. And I think that's something that could exist completely in a tech video mm -hmm. where you're saying, here's this new phone that was just launched. History has shown us that it's been really incredible. It's been an incredible line of products. But this one is different. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you should think differently, right? And if you can yeah. keep that going throughout you'll hook people and keep them longer. I think one of the interesting things about reviewing tech products is a, a large part of what we do is actually deciding which products to review, if I'm just mm -hmm, like narrowing mm -hmm. it down to reviewers. And so it usually turns out that the stuff we review is at the most extremes. It's either the best stuff and we want to highlight it and show you, or it's like the worst stuff and it's like, I got to warn you not to buy this. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle that's like most tech, which is like fine. And sometimes it can be really hard to pull a story out of the stuff that's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. Like you'll you'll get yeah. to mm -hmm. this whole line of products has been fine. This one's also fine. Stay tuned. <laughs> like yeah, so, yeah, I find yeah. like a lot of yeah. channels are like trying to pull a story, yeah. mm -hmm. not even a story, but just trying to like exaggerate things to create a better video. 
which may actually shift the conclusion about the product. Yeah. So I think there's two things. One, it's like the way you the way you reveal information to the audience mm. is, you know, part of that kind of retention strategy that you can pull is like, okay, I'm going to save this piece of information for there, but I'm going to tell them I'm going to say it. So there's a little bit of like, I can hook them, but I also think there's completely different tension and release points in different formats. So all good storytelling is going to build a ton of tension in the viewer and then release it, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's like, I'm, I want to, I'm curious about something and then you let me know. And so I think a tech review is inherently a bunch of tension because it's like, I want to know Marquez's take on this. And so that that's the tension. The release is watching it. So right. I, I agree with you that it's not apples to apples, but I right. also would say that I think that some of the storytelling advice that you can take from, you know, someone who's able to capture, you know, a hundred million people's attention, then I think you can apply small bits of that. And I think the, the thing is like Jimmy on our interview, but then also Jimmy, us spending four days with him in North Carolina, like the in-between moments, you get a lot of Jimmy where he's just speaking more directly to us at least, like about our content and being more, you know, kind of understanding of what our goals are. And so I think the more time we spent together, the more he started giving us advice that was catered to our channel. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty unique experience. Yeah. Um, but I think there's like general storytelling advice. And and at the same time, I would say that, you know, he reaches an incredibly broad audience. The most broad audience. The most yeah. broad. And I yeah. think there's different tactics to building a niche community. And I think the way I view the internet and how I like to interact with it is through niche communities. I mean, our first business was a network, a sports network dedicated to lacrosse. Yeah. That's a niche community that I'm a part of. And the creator community is another niche community I feel a part of. Right. And so now I think we're creating content for that community. So I want to be a little bit more narrow and I don't actually want the most broad audience. Yeah. And we won't take his advice to the fullest extreme because if we did, I mean, our videos would be edited down to six minutes for yeah, retention. Yeah. They mm -hmm. would take us forever mm -hmm. and we would leave out valuable things. Sometimes letting someone speak for us for four to five minutes is valuable. Yeah. Right. And so we need to make that decision of, yeah, no, our audience, because we know them, because it is niche, wants to hear about that. Right. Got it. Do you oh. think you would, you think you would last in a Mr. Beast challenge? Which challenge? I'm trying to think. I feel like I'd be pretty decent. Hey, keeping yeah. your hand on something? I, well, I mean, keeping your hand on a phone. That's his app. I could definitely keep my hand on a phone. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, I'm decently like mobile and athletic. And I don't, I don't know. Like if I, if you put me up against other creators and yeah. editors, I'd feel pretty confident because most creating and editing is like sitting down. It's like endurance. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I feel like I have a little bit of a, a physical advantage, but again, it depends on what the challenge is. So you could is. sit in a seat with poor posture for probably the longest <laughs> yeah. to win. I can punch for hours. Yeah. Okay. Hours. Um, all right. So a lot of what we've talked about also in the YouTube world is YouTube as a platform has a relationship with its creators in a way that not every platform does. Like not every platform sends plaques to its creators mm -hmm. when they reach milestones and has like creator, you know, teams that work with us and things like that. Um, I'm curious from you, what are like the biggest complaints that you've seen from creators to YouTube? Because I feel like here we're, I don't want to say isolated, but it seems like every gate or every like big problem that YouTube has seemingly, seemingly doesn't really affect our channel very much, whether that's because we're a tech channel or we're a PG channel or we're a friendly channel to YouTube, whatever it is, it seems like we've been pretty safe from all of it. 
Um, and I guess that's why, but I'm curious what sort of things mm. do you guys see that ring true the most often among other creators? I think the number one complaint from creators that I hear is the inability to A-B test thumbnails. Because I think yeah. thumbnails are mm. this like incredibly stressful um, part of our job. Do you remember when it was just like the middle frame of yeah. the video? Mm -hmm. you were talking about that. this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You could game that yeah. system pretty easily. And totally. then it became like uh, you need to be a partner to upload a, a thumbnail. Yep. And now everyone who is like, anyone can upload thumbnails now, right? I think. Yeah, I think so, yeah. But like thumbnail designer is becoming, it's great that it's becoming like a job in our world, right? Like, mm -hmm. It's like, that's a difference between a million views and a hundred thousand views a lot of times mm -hmm. is your thumbnail. But I think that's the the most stressful part of creating is that you make this amazing video. Not only do you have to be like, to be a YouTuber, not only do you have to be um, good on camera, you also have to be a good producer. You also have to be a good director, a good animator, a good editor. Like you have to be all these different things. And then on top of that, you have to be really good at packaging. And that's actually what you find out over time is that's actually the most important part of the job then. Yeah. And I think the importance of that is really positive because it, increases like the the barrier to entry and makes the quality really good but i think thumbnails today are causing a lot of creators a lot of stress and are <laughs> the biggest complaint is like can we just a b test yeah like it seems like it's such a simple fix um but i would say that's the biggest complaint it would be nice we were just talking about this the other day but um would you be uh open to being able to change so when it kind of auto plays on your say your smart tv or like when you're hovering over something yep. on the web and you don't get to choose what that autoplay is like being able to now change that similar to a thumbnail. Oh, and yeah. do you think that could increase mm -hmm. click through? Yeah, definitely. I think you can choose that on, uh, on Instagram reels and TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like being yeah, able yeah, to do yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause, Cause we've had ones where we just released a studio video where we had the Rivian and it has this like gear tunnel in the bottom and the clip it shows was Tim crawling through that gear tunnel. So like super fun. Right. But we've had other reviews where it chooses like half of that one second is Marquez and A-roll and the other half is switching to B-roll and looks terrible when yeah, it yeah, like yeah. goes right. up on a smart yeah. TV. So that happens though sometimes yeah. where they'll, they'll yeah. choose B-roll or a graphic that doesn't mm -hmm. really have to do exactly with the video. Yeah, yeah, and I've chosen stuff on my like smart TV because I accidentally scrolled over it and that one clip was like, that was kind of interesting. I think I'm going to watch the video now. Yeah, I oh. believe that's uh, AI selected mm. at yeah. this point. Yeah. Whether it's be from retention or just from a random, I think point they try and choose a face. Typically, usually, yeah. Usually. yeah. I mean, all of my videos have a face in them. Sometimes right. it doesn't pick a face, and I find that odd. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I think so. I see a lot of. I agree with A/B testing thumbnails. I think that would be great. I would use that for sure. Um, so I agree definitely that A/B testing thumbnails would be mm -hmm. fun. I would love to. I would do that all the time. But. I also am probably among the YouTubers that I know and associate with in the tech world, I'm probably the one that changes my thumbnails the least. Mm. I think I see a lot of people upload a video with a title and a thumbnail, and then an hour later change the title, and then an hour later change the thumbnail, and then change the title and the thumbnail. And I'll come across it a third time in my home on my home feed or something. I'm like, I think I've watched this already, but it has a different title and thumbnail, so maybe I haven't. Um would you do you guys play with title and thumbnail at all? Do you find that that's like a major, major part of how you package a video and and manipulating it and changing the way it performs or no? We do play with them, but from my perspective, if we're frantically changing titles and thumbnails, we made a mistake much earlier in the process. if If we have good ideas make titles and thumbnails easy. Yeah, so we try and make sure we have that figured out before mm -hmm. we even make mm -hmm. the decision to start filming or scripting the video. Yeah, it's kind of changed our process to 
to just say, hey, let's start that way in the beginning and say, okay, we have this idea, but wait, before we take any other steps, yeah. mm-hmm. how do you package this idea? Yeah, I think one of the conversations We're, I had with Jimmy was like, our, yeah. when do you pick the title and thumbnail? And for him, it's before the video even gets shot at all. And for us, we were like, well, that sounds like great advice. Let's see how early we can apply it. But if we're reviewing a piece of tech and we don't know how good it is and we don't know if we're going to recommend it or not, I can't choose a title and thumbnail before testing the thing. Mm -hmm. So I got to test the thing. And then maybe at that point when I'm starting to write the actual video, I can pick a title and thumbnail. But that's much later in the process. And at that point, I don't know anymore if it's a good title and thumbnail. (laughs) But that might be with new formats because you have a lot of formats too where you know first impressions, you're going to put that in the title. That is true. Yeah, And so that's what we're in the process of finding or what are our formats yeah. where we it'll make it easy for us and for our audience. That does though get kind of annoying sometimes when we we know we have to put Galaxy S21 Ultra first impressions. Now the actual title we give it basically has to be sure. three to four words. Like yeah. we're, we have to limit ourselves from that. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a pain sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is nice to be able to just always say impressions or something like that. Half the time our titles are created in the uploading process. Yeah, like so the I video still, is done, we're still brainstorming it. Yeah, I have a I have this checklist of like the process of making a video and it's usually as I'm uploading the video that I am finishing what I think the title should be. I have my last two or three options yeah. for a title and we're shooting the thumbnail at that moment. And I don't know if that's I mean there are lots of tech topics and other ways to come up with a title and thumbnail first and craft a video around it but specifically for reviews that's been a challenge of mine is like packaging the video mm. in an earlier than as I upload way. That's like us for interviews. You know, we just filmed an interview with you. We don't know exactly what yeah. the title thumbnail is going to be. Yeah. yeah. We have like a loose idea going into the interview. Coolest guy ever. Yes. <laughs> that, that was it. it. Yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That might that might work. <laughs> <laughs> there there's an, I think the other complaint about the other common complaint is like, I don't make enough money, mm-hmm. you know, AdSense, you know, this, that, or the other. And my perspective on that is for so many years, cause we were in such a niche topic, AdSense was not a part of our business model at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that YouTube owes us anything for uploading videos to YouTube. Sure. I just don't believe it. And, yeah. and I think my perspective is just that it's our job to make a business out of it. If we can find audience, that's that's on us. YouTube gives us the platform and it's a search engine and they give us the tech. AdSense, I always look at as like, it's a cherry on top of our business. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I think over the past year, our our growth has been such that it's a, it's a nice cherry on top, but I just don't view it. I think any creator who's starting out and being like frustrated that YouTube's not paying enough. Yeah. It's like, you, you have to be doing this for a long time to, for that to be a, a significant source of revenue. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like the, uh, I, I, again, I find out different things about the industry at different times based on the arc of me making videos. And it was kind of the opposite. Like it was just AdSense for like the first eight years and I didn't spend that much. So that was fine. But then I had to learn the building, the business part afterwards right. to, to, to structure it in a way that it was much more reliable and steady. And I didn't have to depend on whatever CPM it was that month. Right. Um, but it's, it's valuable to learn that stuff like as mm-hmm. early as you can. I feel like an, another complaint we hear sometimes is that YouTube is not serving my videos to my subscribers. I find that uh, kind of a cop out. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hear a lot of like, and it's kind of comes back to what you said, like the title and the, if you're scrambling for the title and thumbnail and like, why isn't it being served? There's probably a reason before YouTube makes that decision that has affected whether it's being served or not. 
And also, it's probably being served. It's just not being clicked on. Yes, yeah. it is being served. Yeah. It's just yeah. not being clicked on. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back with more from Colin and Samir. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting-edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI-powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. 
I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. There is one thing that I think we would like to come back that would help us a lot. And that's and I get why they took it away. But annotations coming yeah. back for us would be huge. I mean, Ultimately, being able to re-upload a video in the same position would be the best, but I also yep. kind of understand why, you know, you don't put that in. But the amount of times we make these, like, very, very small mistakes that don't change the video at all, like we say the new iPhone has titanium rails instead of aluminum rails, and the, the amount of people that yeah. call us out for stuff like that, if we could just toss an annotation in there, like... Good for engagement, though. Uh, yeah, yes, for engagement. It's not engagement. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, it, yeah, it just yeah. gets to this point where like I'd love to just put a little like asterisk like we meant the Snapdragon 888 not the mm. 887 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think in the tech world that specifically it would be so useful. Like product names are eight long eight words long and you have to get every single one right and specs are very very long and very detailed numbers and you just yeah. want to be able to just add a little asterisk mm-hmm. inside a video and when there is one the best I can do is pin a comment in the top of the description yeah. but there's no way to just or just tweet about it, and, but that's not on YouTube, so it doesn't really the, help. I, yeah. I don't get why a partner, sh- like having partners, like get annotations. I remember the days of you yeah. know like twelve annotations or mm-hmm. a, a full screen clear one. So when you click on it, it brings you to a link. Get rid of that. But yeah, partners mm-hmm. with annotations feel like it would make sense. I do think that in in a tech review, like purposefully sometimes, not not. <laughs> not the tech itself but even like fumbling or saying a word that's completely off at times like would create a lot of like you know retention of like wait what did he just say yeah we we did it one time in a short which was really fun Um, yeah we said uh, we we said the head of robert kinsel youtube like we should have said the head of youtube robert kinsel Uh said this and we said the head of robert kinsel tripled yes yes That's funny. Mm. I think some people assume... We'll say that's why we're doing it. Yeah, Yeah. I think people assume (laughs) that that's what's happening when it really, it's like, we just went from reviewing a phone to reviewing a camera to reviewing a car to reviewing a tablet. It's like, I forgot that it's the triple eight. My bad. Um, So annotations, I'll put in an... Mm -hmm. If anyone on YouTube is watching this, annotations. We'll take it. We'll test it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I also think we're going to see video replies make a comeback. Really? I liked video responses. Because now that they have YouTube shorts. Oh, yeah, true. Interesting. So they could tie in. So people would reply to videos with specific short form. With a short. Yeah. Yeah. And that would create more creators because there's this whole ecosystem where even people like us, we talk about YouTube creators. Mm -hmm. So you could just go into the comments, drop a short video. Yeah. Yeah. And start building an audience. Mm -hmm. That was a really big part. I mean, you see the way TikTok does it now where videos are embedded in comments. But like that was a that was a whole YouTube ecosystem thing. There were reply channels. Yeah. And under any video, you could either. So if I was the creator, I could enable anyone to submit a video reply and they'd all just show up. But then people started spamming them or people would just like spam replies or whatever. So you could only approve, uh, you could set it to approve only and then approve whichever ones you wanted. Mm. And so you would often find that the biggest creators would always approve replies from the same creators. 
And then those creators who were just replying to people would have their own ecosystem because of the people they replied to, which is fascinating. And I, I really like the idea of bringing shorts back as video reply or bringing video mm -hmm. replies back as shorts. Because if we made a video about you yeah. and then we approved you to be able to, to make a video to reply, it. if we got something wrong or if you wanted to add something. Yeah. Yep. And then it's on my channel. So people link to right. what mm -hmm. I just made a video mm -hmm. about. Interesting. That's actually really good. It's honestly the best idea I've heard for shorts. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. I'd love to talk to you guys about shorts yeah. to do them. We've been pretty um, negative about them, maybe. I I'm mean, like, or we've been vocal about them, I'll say, but we don't really yeah. do them. They're right. very against, not against, but they're not like, like our regular back, content. They're very different. They're definitely not our original content. And that's like on the main channel, the number one thing we know is like we have a format Mm -hmm. And we're sticking with it and we love it. So obviously a, a 40 second video doesn't fit in that format. A vertical 40 second video in the same feed as our regular videos. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Feels off, yeah. But you guys have, you've done shorts on the main channel. You guys have experimented mm -hmm. with shorts in the past. Do you, how would you summarize, first of all, your experience with YouTube shorts? Because I've had, I've heard a variety of versions of responses. Very, I mean, very positive. Yes, very like positive. generally positive. I would say that for us, you know, we had, um, we had a creator on our show who goes by Nas Daily, and he, he said something to us about platforms, which is really interesting around like just the, the concept of supply and demand. There are some platforms that have enough supply of content and enough demand. They've reached equilibrium. There's 50,000 pieces of videos uploaded per day and 500 million viewers per day. Like that's average of 10 views per video or whatever. That's equilibrium platforms. There are platforms that don't have equilibrium. Right, where they have incredible demand for views, not enough supply for content. That is the place you want to be in. And that's why creators have such big opportunity mm -hmm. uh, because the platform wants that content. They yep. want to experiment with it. They want to try it. Yeah. But on the other side of it, for us, what we notice is it takes us a really long time to make a video, but we have a lot of thoughts. Like we have quick takes mm -hmm. that we want to get out. And yes, there's, you know, there's a vlog or like, pop open the camera and start talking, but then they're still editing and like, they're just so much. And I think vertical short form content lowered our barrier to entry to just have like some forgiveness around it and be like, it's okay, it's just a vertical video. Yeah. And we shoot it straight through the phone and we do some editing, but it is this first opportunity for us in a long time to film something and get it out on our YouTube channel in the same day. So if something happens, we can react to it. Yeah. yeah. And from our conversations with people at YouTube, the, you know, the, the shorts feed and the main channel feed, like short form videos and long form videos are kind of bifurcated in the back end. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, it's not one in the same. It's not like, you know, they know it's a different type yeah, of video. It's not going to bring your average view duration down okay. or yeah, anything like the, that. Okay. So for us, we were like, okay, if there's no real big risk to the channel, yeah, why not? Like, why not try them? And from what we've seen is, you know, in the past, 28 days, I think we've done around like 25 million views on the channel. And there's like, I think above 60% of that is coming from shorts. Mm. And um, that has just generally made our entire catalog of content uh, generate more viewership because there's just more traffic to our channel. Right. And so if you think about it as like a retail shop, like our channel is like a retail shop, we've just increased our traffic significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and when that happens, then they're going to look at other stuff in our shop too, right? And so they're going to look at our back catalog. Right. They're going to look at all of our... and. The, and our subscribers have grown. Our, our just overall brand exposure has has grown because of shorts. So I mean, one of our shorts has 15 million views, and that converted about 16 or 17 thousand subscribers. Wow. Okay. And the value yeah. prop in the short is you know explaining things that are happening on YouTube and in media. 
Yeah. So if someone likes that and, and that's their first entrance mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, so my experience has just been watching other people experiment with shorts. And so I've seen people try it on the main channel. I think I probably will eventually start a channel just to experiment with shorts because mm -hmm. I have a lot of ideas that I think would be good shorts. That channel should be called MKB. Shorts. It's just just MKB. MKB. Oh, MKB because it's a shortened version. Short version. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like MKBHD. <laughs> but but yeah. also like what, the studio to me feels like an ex uh, a space to experiment. Like yeah, why not really experiment yeah. with shorts on the studio channel? True. And especially for me, I look at it as like, Right now, again, that like the demand is high and the supply is just catching up. Right, that's what I was going to so, talk about. So, like, there's going to be a moment where that swaps. Viewership's yeah. going to change. It's going to they're going to they're going to test and iterate and test and iterate. And there's just a moment right now where they're just serving everyone the same small amount of shorts. Yeah, or they're just like at least from what we've seen, we've seen creators who have just taken shorts. And grown to six million subs. True. There's a creator called Dental Digest. Have you seen him? No. He, he's like a dental creator, and okay. every short form <laughs> video is is very similar. It's it's like one format where he tests different brushes and sees how well they brush his teeth. He's a dental student. He grew from zero to six million subs this year. Um, That's wild. All through shorts, and now he's making long form content. Right. And it's trending. And it's doing well. Yeah. yeah one oh. of his one of his longer form videos was uh, number one on trending, and so. He basically used shorts to build a platform. I think the thing that's dangerous is if the shorts have a completely different function than yeah. the long form video, right? It has to all mm -hmm. fall in the same value prop. And if it does, then why not? I think it's yeah. YouTube's play to get creators from TikTok over to YouTube. It, as you're saying it, it makes perfect sense because I've heard from multiple different people, you know, TikTok creators are getting huge, but ultimately even the biggest TikTokers yep. want to be YouTubers. Yep. But converting that from a whole different app is is hard. So if you're in the app already and you can just be on the same channel and there's the long form mm -hmm. contact that they now converted for, that's perfect. And they just took away the barrier to entry, which yeah, was exactly. really high. Now yeah. you can literally just repurpose a lot of your TikToks. Yeah. Download yeah. them, take the logo off, upload them to YouTube Shorts. And you could have if you've yeah, if you've been right. on TikTok for the last three years, you could have years worth mm -hmm. of yeah. valuable content ready to go. Also, though, you don't have to upload a thumbnail. For shorts? I mean, we just don't even do you it. You don't have to, but you can. You can. Yeah. So if you go to our like videos tab, mm -hmm. it's not very aesthetic anymore, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, it, it is just these like vertical shorts mixed in with like our uh, edited thumbnail. So yeah. that is not very aesthetic. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's just playing in a, you know, auto play. Yeah. So you don't, you're you not really thinking not about the, the thumbnail and the shorts. You're yeah. not thinking about the packaging because actually the audience isn't even choosing to watch it. The app is choosing the audience. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the inverse of the traditional YouTube video. And True. I think for that, it's, it's really interesting. And then I think YouTube, the thing that YouTube has from an opportunity perspective is that TikTok, like you mentioned, a lot of TikTok creators are coming over to YouTube to mm -hmm. like graduate for their career, right? And we've heard the classic, you know, comparison on Twitter all the time of like, would you rather have 50,000 YouTube subscribers or 5 million TikTok followers? And almost, it's like so amazing that it always trends towards 50,000 YouTube subscribers just because you can make a career on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the play to say, hey, we are the, we are YouTube, we are the better place to launch your career. So we'll have these short form videos too. And so if you were thinking about TikTok, just do it over here because then you're already building that foundation mm -hmm. like Dental Digest where it's like, now you have 6 million subscribers. Now you have a career. It's YouTube. Yeah. You're already there. You're already there. Yeah. I think that one point you brought up about supply and demand is really interesting. The 
the when I see new features get launched, especially by YouTube, but kind of by any social network, I always really like diving into how much it looks like they've embraced this new feature. Mm -hmm. Does it look like they're just kind of trying it on the side? Or does it look like they are building part of their site around it? And to me, shorts does look like YouTube is like committing really hard mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. making shorts a big thing. Sometimes I see features where like, you know, for example, there's podcasts on Facebook or like there's a video mm -hmm. podcast on Spotify and I don't really see that many of them. And I kind of wonder how committed they are because I see the feature ad, but I don't want to pivot my whole business around something that might disappear in a year. Mm -hmm. um, so I am glad to see shorts get the attention that I mm -hmm. think that it's rightly deserving. And I'm, I'm definitely going to want to experiment with a little bit. You know, those restaurants and strip malls that say like, we have these in LA. I don't know if you guys have these here. It says like Chinese food and donuts. That sounds amazing, <laughs> but I, I want where, one. Yeah, I see where you're going. Okay, all right, you see where I'm yeah. going. But basically, like for me personally, I'm, I want to go to a Chinese restaurant for Chinese food and I want to go to a donut shop for donuts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I think about apps that are trying to do a lot, I think that like it overwhelms me. I'm like, I, are, you, are you a specialist in this? Is this mm -hmm. a thing? you make? Are you trying to serve me Chinese food and donuts at the same time? Yeah. Because you saw an opportunity. So I think for me as a consumer, I, I, I'm so specific. Like I listen to podcasts on Spotify. I yep. watch video on YouTube. I might also be the old guy who's just like, doesn't want to change my ways. I worry about that. But, but that's just who I am. Uh, and, yeah. and I think a lot of consumers are like that too, where it's simplicity wins a lot and singular focus wins mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So yeah. YouTube was based in short form video. When we first started in 2011, we were uploading 20 second videos to YouTube because that's oh, yeah. where short form video lived. There was no Instagram video. There was no, there's no TikToks. There's no Vine at the time. So short form video lived on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I think they actually do have an expertise in it where they can solve how to serve you videos. And then their video monetization is better than other platforms. So they will also solve down the line how those yeah. are monetized. I think it's only a matter of time until, you know, you open up the Instagram app and you're just in reels and potentially even with YouTube as well, because mm -hmm. it's an extra step that keeps you away from a view, keeps you away from creator discovery. Right. I yeah. could totally see YouTube doing that with the, with the, the mobile app. Yeah. Netflix yeah. is also doing it too. Have you noticed that? The, ne what, the Netflix mobile app has a TikTok feature oh, where you're swiping through mo actually, moments of, of shows. Yeah, is you it, can't I, upload yourself, obviously. No, but it's but, like yeah. it's like funny moments from their shows that oh, are, yeah. it's the exact same UI. It's called Fast Laughs. It's yeah. just for the comedy. Huh. comedy. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, Netflix is serving, that's their job is to yeah. find stuff for you. So Even exactly. their, their like smart TV app is like, you can't accidentally just take your hand off the controller for a second because it starts playing the trailer the second right. you oh, hover yeah. over right. everything, which very yeah, annoying, it, it, but obviously extremely, extremely <laughs> successful. That's and, a good point. It's yeah. basically already autoplay. Yep, it's just yeah. starting to play already. I found that my our videos have slowly gotten longer. Like you said, you're, you mm -hmm. started with shorter videos. Even on our channel, I think the, the first couple of years of videos I was making were all like three to five minutes long. And they were the same genre, but they were all three to five minutes because that's all I needed to tell the story or to say how good the thing was. Today, a short video is like seven minutes long and I've uploaded 15, 25, 35 minute long videos. So part of that is definitely that I feel like it's taken me longer to finish all of my thoughts on a piece of tech. And it, I generally, I just want to make longer videos and I think that's valid. But the other half is that at a certain point, YouTube started favoring longer videos. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like a little bit of it was leaning into the algorithm of like, hey, well, that's more watch time too. So longer videos is fine. Um, 
how much do you find it to be problematic or maybe even beneficial to bend your content to the algorithm? Because I know that's something mm -hmm. some people just don't want to do ever. And that's something entire channels sometimes are based around. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. So we describe, you know, this term content market fit mm -hmm. as a dance between three things. One is what you want to make. It still has to be what you want to make. You have to want to make this video and enjoy making the video. The second is there has to be an audience for that. You have to be plugging into, uh, you know, an audience or you have to be aware that you're going to create an audience. Um, but there has to be an audience for what you're making. And then the, the, the third thing is the algorithm. So I think all three actually have to play together. What you want to make, what your audience wants to watch, and then what the algorithm wants to feed. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to have all three check. A lot of times, you know, when we're thinking about packaging, like we are thinking about the algorithm, but there's sometimes where we have an idea and we think about really good packaging for it. And then we're like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to make that video. Like right. that's not, that's not us. Yeah. Um, and so I think all three have to be clicked on for it to work hmm. and for you to enjoy it. Um, Cause I think audience, there's too much content now where if you're just doing it for the algorithm, I think an audience can feel that. They can sniff that out. Yeah. Pretty yeah. easily. Like you, you've probably watched, I've watched videos where I'm just like, oh, this is kind of like, you're, you're almost watching like a game, like someone game the algorithm or like someone, mm -hmm. you know, create like a, it's like when you watch someone like uh like the last three pages of an essay or just to reach the minimum threshold yeah. and they're just yes. spewing words. Yeah. And they're like, I can tell what you're trying to do. I get here. what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, when I think about it, like I don't think I personally watch content on YouTube that's good for the algorithm. I like to watch really long form podcasts, mm -hmm. which probably don't have amazing retention. I love to watch loose vlogs. Like the type of content that I like to watch, you know? Yeah. When it, when it comes to length, though, there's also, as a creator, an intangible question you have to ask yourself, which is, is this interesting? Yeah. Would our audience find this right. interesting? Right. And that determines the length of our video. If mm -hmm. we have a two-hour conversation with a creator, and if by chance only 15 minutes we actually found interesting and we asked everyone in our office, did you find this interesting? That's the, it's going to be a 15-minute video. Yeah. Right. But if we went for two hours and it was all interesting and we ask everyone again in our in our office, listen to this, watch it, was it interesting, then that's what goes up. I mean, two of the three things I mentioned, though, are like from a distribution mindset. One is what does the audience want and one is what, is what, the, what does the platform want. Uh, okay. Right? And so those are like distribution mindsets. So two-thirds of your brain is distribution. Mm -hmm. The third is creation, which is what do I want to make? And when you look at, at least for me, when I look back at the last four years, we've been, we have, a, we've had the Colin and Samir channel for four years and we made no money doing Colin and Samir for three years of that, right? Or, or maybe it's now five years and it was three years of not working and then two years of working. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has been that shift. When I look back at the older videos, I'm like, oh, we were creators. We didn't want to cut out stuff that actually was uninteresting, mm -hmm. but we liked it. Cause we were like, that was a cool shot or that was a good thing. That was a fun line we said, let's keep it in. And then yeah. today when we all watch cuts together, we're watching as a group and we are ruthless. We're like, that was boring, cut it. That was uninteresting, cut it. That was interesting, but not interesting enough. We're gonna make it a short, cut it. Yeah. Like we are constantly cutting cause we're thinking about the two thirds, which is algorithm and audience. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is why I like, I, struggle to apply it to a tech video because if I cut out genuinely useful information because it was boring, I'm not left with a complete video anymore. Yeah. And uh, a lot of what I want to deliver is the best, most informative thing. 
and I have to drag you from one exciting thing to the other, but also make sure I include all the other things in between about how all this band, this higher bandwidth memory is much better for performance while I get to sharing how much faster it was in Final Cut exports. Like the exciting thing to me is surrounded by other necessary but less YouTube exciting things. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I've never heard it described that way, but I do feel like I am doing that balancing act in my head every mm -hmm. time I'm editing is like making sure I include the things, but also making sure I quickly get you to the next like highlight while making sure I include all the things that need to be included. I want to be careful when I give you feedback here because what you're doing is working. So <laughs> sure. I'm not going to, and I'm, I have not reached the, you know, we have not yeah, reached the level. We've never really made I'm a not, tech video. Yeah, I'm not so, immune yeah. to feedback. Okay. But I think when you have the opportunities to, and when you've done it on your channel to show and not tell, that's when things get really interesting because it's a very yeah. visual medium. So if it's about like the processing speed, can you show me something? Can you shoot something in 8K and like bring it into the computer and show me how quick that happens while yeah. you're telling me about something else? So you're like, I'm going to load this up and then I'm going to tell you about the next thing, but in the background of the video or in a second split screen, I'm tracking how quickly yeah. something's moving, right? So yeah. then it's like, two things are happening at once and you're showing me speed while you're saying something different and I'm all of a sudden I'm tracking multiple narratives and that keeps me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Uh, and I think when th the times when you do that, I think that's like the opportunity with tech is to show yeah. as much as possible. Yeah, I've played with that a little bit. I've played, I've definitely played with like how much people respond to what's being said versus what's being shown. Yeah. And Again, it depends on what the video is, but I keep coming back to your views. People really linger on what's being said mm. more so sometimes than what's being shown, unless they That's contradict. Yeah. So a lot of times I talk about smooth performance and I talk about how this is zippy and fast, and I'm showing that too, but sometimes I'll say something is smooth and I'll show a clip of it behaving perfectly normally and people are like, why do you say it's smooth? It looks totally normal. Well, I'm, I'm telling you it's smooth because mm. I can't show this as well as I need to. I can Got show it. a performance hiccup but it's hard to show you the smoothness. Mm -hmm. So there's little bits of pieces of tech that are, I just have to say it. Yeah. Like to tell you mm -hmm. what's happening. So I think it's analogy, a challenge. I mean, granted, this is for me who's not, like if, a lot of the stuff you say on your channel, I'm like, I, I don't know what you're saying exactly, but I like what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm more of the visual right, guy sure. for your in your audience, but I think also analogy is really helpful. Like, or like, like analog, like you're drawing something. I don't know. Those are, those are the types of things that for me, I need to be like, tech explained to me like I'm probably not five because five-year-olds are pretty smart now. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like tech explained to me like I know nothing about tech. Got we, it. We have done some small things like that. Um, when hole punch cutouts for the front of uh, cell phones were first coming out, yeah. we there was a point where it gets to, it's hard to explain to someone who's never seen it that like it kind of, you don't notice it after a while of using it. So what you did was, as you were speaking in the A-roll, you put a black circle on the screen, mm. and then like 20 seconds later, that's it was cool. like, by the way, this has been here the whole time. Did you notice it oh, or didn't yeah, you? That's great. If you didn't, look, you probably aren't yeah. going to notice this, stuff yeah. like that. But I do think it's a it's an interesting thought of like performance or even like charging speeds or something like that to maybe have some sort of a, a ticker on the side. I mean, mm -hmm. we... We kind of did it with the thousand mile race where Michael did our whole map thing. Yeah. So when we're talking about different things, the map is showing what's happening. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. And Michael's obviously a wizard. So He's being wizard. able to pull stuff like that off would be pretty easy. Yeah. Th that was something Jimmy said to us actually, just to go back to what he was saying when he was explaining to us like multiple stories, mm -hmm. he was saying to us, he was like, well, you know, what you guys are saying is one story, but your B-roll is another story, right? 
And so it's actually not necessarily thinking like all about yeah. one line of like what you're saying, but like your animations are another story. And so the, the, the viewer is tracking the different information they're receiving as all stories, yeah. right? And if they all tell the exact same story, like in a very didactic way, then it's, it, it might not be as engaging, but if they're doing it in very different ways, then. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like that's something I've played around with a little bit more because in a tech video, I keep going back to reviews. Yeah. But like, yeah, most of what I'm saying, it helps if you can see it too. So as I'm saying each thing, and this is how most reviews are, it'll cut to showing the thing. Everything, every sentence yeah. has a, mm -hmm. a five second clip to show what's being said. Show it being said, show it's being said, show it's being said. And there are some parts of some tech videos where it's a little bit more storytelling and it's a little bit more, it's a little less show something and a little bit more like telling a story of a gadget or maybe I've really enjoyed using this thing or things that you don't really have a direct clip for. Mm. And that's when in the edit, I'm starting to play a little more with visuals yeah. that show other things. Um, but I want to find more of those. <laughs> because I think yeah. your guys' B-roll is a story though. Like yeah. our, our office, when you guys upload a new video, like they'll go nuts over one shot or one animation. They're waiting like, to see which mm -hmm. shot is going to come. Yeah, I remember the, yeah. even like the studio uh, intro animation was like a, a two hour conversation in our office of mm -hmm. like, so I think you guys do have that, that narrative is a lot of like your B-roll. Like you mentioned, you showed us the, the robot in here. It's like, when you use that, those six seconds, that's a whole story that I'm waiting for. I'm, I'm waiting yeah. to see how that plays out or what's the next shot, what's the next shot. Yeah. There was also one video where you had, and maybe it was multiple videos, but where there was a second angle and every once in a while you would turn oh, yeah. and speak to that other angle. That was really good. And yeah. even that was a retention strategy as an audience member. I was waiting for you to yeah. do that next cut in. Was yeah. that Dogecoin? I think or, so. This yeah. is not financial advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, video. that reminds me a lot of like John Stewart uh, or some of those mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. satire comedy mm -hmm. shows where the information is really dense yeah. and they break it with a joke. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Every 30, 40 seconds, mm -hmm. they break up really dense information with a joke. It kind of reminded me of that. And that's what yeah. gets you through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of something I talked about in the Skillshare class. It was like, I like to have a common thread that goes through the entire video if I can, or but at least over multiple sections of the video. But it's hard to keep somebody focused with all that information for a long time. So you do kind of need to find ways to have like beats or like or bring people from point to point. And there's a bunch of different ways right. to do that. And that was one of, that was a fun one. I did like the Dogecoin mm -hmm. video for mm -hmm. that reason. But yeah, that is a, that is a, that was a fun one. I wanted to ask you about YouTube comments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause we briefly talked about this earlier about how maybe it's not the best place to hang out in the comment section on YouTube. But one of my notorious Lee, I think I've said this more often than any other piece of YouTube advice is the best comments I get are from people who have never seen any of the videos before. Mm -hmm. And those aren't on YouTube. Those are on like Reddit or like a random website that embeds a video for the first time. And like the audience for that website will be like, oh, this is a good video for this reason. Those are the most informative, interesting comments that, in that inform how I can improve and how I can make videos better. Do you hang out in the YouTube comments section at all? Do you hang out on Reddit and Discord? What do you? How do you get feedback from your audience, and what do you think is the most valuable? I'm pretty plugged into the comments, but um, I wouldn't. I would say there's like always four in a month that are like really good feedback. Mm -hmm. Just like there's a few 
and then like I'll screenshot it and send it to Colin and we'll like talk about it. And there's there's From only a YouTube comment. Yeah, there's only okay. like a few. Yeah. And it'll be something about like hey guys, that one part was unnecessary. I got bored during this part. Yeah. And it kind yeah. of irks you because you're like, you're, like oh, I like, agree with it's you. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the worst when it's true. But yeah, I think that type of stuff or like when someone's like, why did you make this video? Like if there's some like m- more comments around like our entire brand, like is this on brand for us? So there's some yeah. that are from like people who are watching video to video. The worst is where it's like, hey guys, I typically love your videos, but Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, oh god, it's <laughs> yeah. worse when you let down someone who's like a fan. Yep. And then there's also the the people who come in. They're like, wow, I hate these guys, or like these guys are. Yeah. But at that terrible. point, it probably means we made a video that a lot of people are watching. Yeah. If like the hate true, really true. starts pouring in, which which doesn't that, happen to us that like like in that like crazy to, to a crazy degree, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's a bit of it where we talk a lot. Where if it gets beyond our audience and we start receiving some of those comments of like negativity, then we know that the video was good enough to get beyond to get, our audience, right? And yeah. so we're like, and that we, I think you know you're making something that is a value and that has its own perspective if people disagree with it or dislike it. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, appealing to everyone, you're very much like in your bubble. And yeah. so I think that the comments indicate to us not only like certain feedback from our community, but also, you know, when we do make something that allows us to grow the brand yeah. when there's negativity. and. I will say that I want a more tight-knit group where we can have more actual feedback from our audience. Mm. And that might play out over over Discord uh, in the future. It might play out in other places. But I would say that like we've also built a culture internally in our office of of a lot of feedback. And I think that's been really beneficial because there's a lot of times where Colin and I have an idea and we're excited about it and we tell the team and actually happened recently. And they were like, no, we don't think that should be a video that's made on this channel and mm-hmm. we think it should be this one. And we went with the team's advice and it was one of our most popular videos. And so we were oh, like, oh, wow. Like, it's so helpful to surround yourself with people who deeply care, but also really understand the brand that you're building so that yeah. the feedback is beyond just us two. Yeah, the diversity of thought. Yeah. 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 I, do you ever look at like other random places outside of the comment section where you might find video feedback? Like if a video is embedded somewhere and you see like traffic from a new audience. I'm terrified by Reddit. Um, I just think <laughs> I'm always, fair, yeah, you know? I think I'm always going to get like kicked off or like I, I feel like an imposter on Reddit. Like I feel like I'm not cool enough on the internet to be there. Um, so I do sometimes search our name on Reddit mm-hmm. and look at some of the conversation. And I find that to be really interesting because yeah. people who are on Reddit are the ones who are really engaged the most. Positive, negative. Mm-hmm. Even if someone yeah. like says something like, oh yeah, like, you know, Colin and Samir did this and someone's like, who? I think that's interesting too, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh wow, okay. Like, I don't know. I just, I find Reddit to be interesting to search your name on. Yeah. Because I also think it's a validation point that if people are talking about you on Reddit, then there's, you're at, you're at least a part of the internet culture. Yeah. You've you know? contributed to something that people find useful and they're sharing yeah. it amongst themselves, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a good start. And then you get feedback I, from that. I feel like Reddit was a, ahead of its time. Uh, and it's it's still around, but I feel like YouTube could have made a Reddit-like mm-hmm. comment section. Yeah. Like that would have been really amazing mm-hmm. if YouTube had made Reddit or yeah. even like a community chat that that could, like the MKBHD community could live within a Google or YouTube ecosystem. It feels like Reddit and Discord and YouTube need to have a meeting. A yeah. meeting. <laughs> they need to talk to each other. Yeah, bring yeah, the Reddit, key. Comments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, YouTube thread. Reddit's been some of the best feedback we've ever seen because yeah. it's like 
you know, you can post a, a really nice, well thought out comment. And then because of their organization, you can have a really great conversation under that and very quickly pick what that is. But man, they also know how to leave some very oh, yeah, negative, that, yeah. hurtful yeah, yeah. stuff. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's rough to go through sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. If you had any feedback, now this is for your audience members, maybe they want to provide feedback. You said you've seen maybe four good comments mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. really thought was good yeah, feedback. Yeah. And there's somebody out there who's a fan of you and maybe wants to suggest something. What what would be the best way to get the attention? Because it feels like there's a lot of comments that I've responded to that seem super negative and mm-hmm. I've gotten like in a tizzy about it, responded, and then I realized they didn't mean any harm. Yeah. They were actually just sometimes it's hard through text, text think, to get off. So I think two things. One, the the absolute way to not get our attention, I'm sure you experience this too, is to write us like a essay of an email. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just I can tell from the no, first you, sentence of the email what's going to happen. Yeah, and email. like just just imagine us opening it on our on a mobile device and then scrolling nine times. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way we're gonna read it. Yeah. Uh, we get so many of those. On the on the contrary, like there's very limited amounts, but people who make videos about our videos, mm-hmm. I just consume information through video. That's yeah. just how I like to. Probably the fastest, but the, the hardest way to get our attention. Yeah, the the best way someone has ever gotten our attention is they Venmoed me a dollar and then wrote their- In their tip? Like, yeah. Like in the description of uh, the yeah, payment? Yeah, they wrote their message in the description of the payment. Because wow. I was like, why did I just get a dollar? And then I looked and then I read <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was like, hey, Samir, I found you on Venmo. And I was like, wow, that is, that's unique. And it was like video feedback in the No, comment? it wasn't video feedback. It was actually like wanting to collaborate on a project. Oh, wow. And we ended up doing it. The guy wanted us really? on, his, on, on his podcast. I was going to say yeah. like, hey, if you have video feedback for us, yeah. you can <laughs> just find our memo. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we take feedback in <laughs> the form of $10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we won't yeah. listen to your feedback unless you donate. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm on Twitter all the time. I see a lot yeah, of tweets. Yeah. It's become... Also, though, you have to be careful about um, what you address because if all you ever do is respond to negative feedback, then people see that and they figure the way to get your attention is, is here's feedback. some negative yeah. feedback. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a healthy mix of like reading, understanding. Maybe if it's a genuine question, you can engage and go back and forth with people and you'll get some actually good advice and things like that. Um, but you have to be careful. <laughs> you have to yeah. be careful. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever get feedback from fellow tech creators or creator friends? Not enough. I yeah. think that's that's one thing also Jimmy was talking about. Like we we should network better with fellow tech creators. I've been friends with some of these guys for literally a decade. And it's I right. like we g- grew up together and now these guys have kids. And I'm like, oh my God, we've mm. been making yeah. this stuff for so long yeah. that we've grown up. And yeah, no, we should have more inner dialogue. We should have like we have we made a Discord like, server a while ago and then it died and then we it's should overwhelming. It like I think even right now the amount of chats that I'm a part of. Yeah. I can't, I just can't. I can't, I can't stay on top of it all. Yeah. 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 I can't but keep it's up all, with it. But it's all useful. Like mm-hmm. it's all genuine. It is. Like there's, I'm in, I'm in several discords. I'm yeah. in like a couple Slack groups and like random group chats on WhatsApp and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all of this is great information. I'm just like, if I, if I sit here processing it all, I'll never make another video. I'll just be reading and replying to everyone. It, what's crazy is like, I think the value of internet community is, at least for me, I find like 12 people to be my cap of anything beyond that. I start to lose track of mm-hmm. what's happening. You yeah. know, and like even in Discord too, I think you have to, the culture of Discord is like, you have to have it up to be able to to yeah. catch up with what's happening. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, behind. yeah, you just fall behind and then you you feel like uncomfortable contributing. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find my like, T-Mobile Fave 5. 
Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a good idea. I, I feel yeah. like we get good feedback generally when we see people in person. So CES is always like a, a great time where we we love CES. Lately, the tech there is not that great anymore, but we get to see all the tech friends that we know. And like a lot of them are on the West Coast. We're obviously yeah. on the East Coast. It's the best part of CES. Being able to see everyone go out and have dinner, mm-hmm. they, it just, it comes up in conversation Agreed. and that's all great. But, you know, COVID now and everything, yeah, we've yeah. seen Judner, we've seen... We haven't seen Austin. We haven't seen Linus. Like we haven't seen anyone right. forever, and it's yeah. a lot harder, I think, to. And maybe we should normalize it a bit. But mm-hmm. just text someone or send them a message. And be like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. this could be done a little better because it probably comes off as rude if you're just sending just a message advice. out of the blue and offering yeah. advice. Yeah. Jimmy's not shy about that. <laughs> no. I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple phone calls with Jimmy, and yeah. I love that about yeah. it. It's so useful. He's not shy about yeah. it. Yeah, I will say that our our designer and editor Chris is in a thumbnail discord for people who work with creators and design their thumbnails and that it's is. like a very niche and very small group of people let's get tim in there and yeah, we, yeah, yeah. i i yeah. find it like when i look when he tells us about it and sometimes he'll hit our slack because we'll post a video and then the other designers in there will be like hey maybe you guys should tweak it like this hmm. and then he'll send us the the chat and i'm like yeah, yeah. They, they discuss our thumbnail every yeah. Monday morning. Yeah, and it's far better. We used to just put out thumbnails on Twitter and ask Twitter what they thought. Mm-hmm. Like, was this I one? I did enjoy that. To be which honest, was, yeah. which that was, was very fun. It yeah. was fun, but the feedback was all over the place from mm-hmm. some I'm people sure. who like we were like, all right, that's that's pretty good feedback. Yeah. But you, I don't think I've ever made a thumbnail before. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we also yeah. found one time we did oh, it. Man. Yeah, one time we did it, and we were going to put the video out like a week later, mm-hmm. and then another organization did that thumbnail that everyone voted and put on. the video out and soon before we did before us with the same title and wow. we were like oof okay we i don't know if we can do that publicly because again like titles and thumbnails are that valuable yeah that yeah. especially for complex topics like yeah. we're covering sometimes that's interesting so we do stopped you, doing it after that yeah because you don't want to share yeah. too early do you find that you see uh, other channels like copying things that you do and do you do anything about it um at times, yes, but we've also been inspired by others, for you know, sure. and yeah. like there's a there's difference. a difference. Yeah, yes. for sure. We, we've we've seen it more across other projects now. Now that we mm-hmm. you know we have our newsletter, the published press, we have, um, you know, we we have what we're doing on shorts. We have you know what we're doing in the in the on on the main channels. Sometimes we see like a con- a concept that we say in the main channel, and then we see a TikTok that has five million views mm. with the same concept, but someone just they could just, have just they, independently. They mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They, yeah, so we, we don't know. Um, the, the newsletter is more obvious um, when it happens, but there's only so much information. And I also think that what I've learned, especially in media, is oftentimes like you are, as a media organization, you think of yourself as like a, I think of us as like sprinters, like we're sprinting. And there's a lot of people who are going to start taking off right behind you as you start going. Mm-hmm. And that's natural because they see something that, that's working and they're like, ooh, Let's do that version or our version of that. And if you ever start running, it's possible they'll sprint past you. Mm. And so my visual, once people start, you know, taking some of our concepts or anything that's potentially inspired by us is like, oh, okay, so there's something's working that we're doing because people are thinking they could, they want to do something similar. And so we just have to keep on a sprint or we have to go in a direction that they can't even predict. Or just get a robot. Yeah. That's, yeah. Basically... We just need a robot. And just like, don't <laughs> don't look behind you. Just be yeah. like, all right, I just have to- Get a bigger keep, robot. Keep going forward, yeah. <laughs> I like that, I like that. All right, so I promised I would ask you guys this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've talked to so many creators and you've 
you've sort of analyzed the behavior of so many creators that I'm curious if you were to roast me, create, critique my channel, and don't be shy about it because like you're saying like, oh, it, something must be working. Yeah, things are working, but like we're all pretty much experimenting with a, a large majority of the things we're doing and we're willing to take that feedback. I would love to, like when you guys watch our videos, what are you like pausing the video and saying, you know what they could have done better here? Or are you saying like their thumbnails should be better or something like that? What do you guys talk about with our channel? And could do all channels too, Waveform, Waveform Clips, oh, Studio, true. like the whole shebang. Because I mean, three of those are fairly new to us and yeah. they're mm. obviously could use more work. Those ones aren't at the level the main channel is. So everything could use work. And the most people we talk to are tech YouTubers. So it's nice to have an outside perspective on things who you've seen everything you could imagine. Yeah. So a couple questions before we get into this. Yes. First of all, how do you define the audience for the MKBHD channel? Like, because I fit into a certain audience category, but yes. I'm curious, how do you define the lion's share of the audience there? Ooh, well, I do, I have two buckets. I have one, which is the, the subscriber who is watching the videos for entertainment value and is somewhat into tech. And I have two, which is the person who is searching for the device and is making a purchase decision. And usually the lion's share at the beginning is type one. And then over time, SEO takes over and a lot more people watch the video making a purchase decision and that's type two later. And it depends on what the video is. A lot of times if it's not about a gadget, it's more type one here for entertainment, tech related. But a lot of times it's a video that is just about a gadget not many people care about. And the type one audience is very small and it's a nine or 10 out of 10. And then over time, SEO takes over mm -hmm. and it does much better because it's an interesting or popular device per headphones or something like that. But it's generally those two buckets for me. So uh, here's what I would say. I'm I'm watching for more like edutainment, right? Like I'm looking to get educated. I like to be, I'm not necessarily like an early adopter. Mm -hmm. I'm not watching to potentially purchase tech. Yeah. I'm watching because I'm getting educated on what's happening so I don't get left behind <laughs> in the sure. world of, of innovation. And then also for entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite videos, and I think both of us, why we were able to cite like even your head turn in it was when you started talking about Dogecoin or when you talked about Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was something that was like tech adjacent that was in the zeitgeist that was really interesting. So what I would say is like uh, getting a little bit more comfortable outside of your typical topics and thinking about starting to step into what's tech adjacent, yeah. I think is would be really interesting to me. I thought Tesla bot explained was great. Yes. Basically yeah. like the majority of your explained series. Mm -hmm. and, and thinking about like how can I apply the MKBHD format and style to things that you know, more people are are interested in. Is it like yeah. the tech behind certain, you know, movies or shows? Is it like, you know, like Squid Game, for example? Squid Game is a massive topic. What's the yep. MKBHD video on Squid Game? Is there one? Right. Or is that really out of line? And so yeah. that's what I would say is that I think there's an opportunity to not necessarily cut out, the, like, like broaden the niche too much, but to step into more zeitgeisty topics that are, you know, taking over? Is it like, you know, the audio waveforms behind Old Town Road? Like, why does that sound, mm. you know, hit us in a certain way? Why mm. are we receiving this audio waveform in a way that's taking over the world? I think that's the type of stuff that I would want to start to turn to you for and yeah. be really interested in. And maybe that starts as shorts on the studio yeah. channel or something. Right. I'm, I'm really glad you said that because 
part of my struggle every year, and I sort of explained to you like the way I divide up the year of like first half is trying new things, second half is like gadget, gadget, gadget. Mm -hmm. Every time I try a new topic or like stepping a little outside of what's typically like a gadget video, I'm always, the back of my head is always nervous about like, no one's going to want my opinion on this or no one's going to really care. Like people are here for, like I can very quickly associate the best performing videos typically with the most interesting gadgets. Yeah. And so if it's not one of those interesting gadgets, why would anyone care about my video? And then I make the video and inevitably it does really well. Right. And it, it, it always hits me as a surprise every time. But like that video you mentioned, or even like the YouTube rewind video I did, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or random videos about like the Tesla bot or things that are adjacent, I always have that concern. And I, I wonder where the line is about like how far out is out of bounds, because I have interests that are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like that. I'd also, I would be really interested to see you react to certain things, like how other people are, maybe it's like Hollywood VFX, maybe it's like... Mm. You know, this other, like, you're really into video making as well. Yeah. And so I would be really interested. Like, Peter McKinnon does a series like that. Mm-hmm. I love his series. Right? That series is yeah. really fun to watch where yeah. he, he reacts to, like, Hollywood VFX. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be really interested to see you do some of that. Like, and, and you can dial it into, like, tech-related. So is it, like, you know, and this could be on the studio channel, but, like, reacting to robotic camera movements. Yeah. I, I would be really interested mm-hmm. in watching you do that because I like content and this is across everything i like content that has those like double narratives where Mm. instead of finding those robotic camera movement videos on instagram myself i'd rather watch them through your perspective Mm -hmm. where i'm watching them and discovering that content for the first time plus i'm hearing your thoughts on it Mm. and i think that in a world where we are so inundated with like the for you page and with instagram and like all these algorithms are feeding us content i think we want our favorite personality or a trusted source to curate the internet for us and so i think finding like what's happening on the internet that's adjacent to what i talk about and how do i put my spin on it and yeah. dogecoin was one of those things it was just one of those it things. it was one of those things and i think yeah. there's more of those things yeah um and then the the overarching i think like to keep you know someone's attention again it's what i said earlier it's i think it's like the opportunities to show not tell to say like you know when you're if you're reviewing the rivian uh, during the process, are you trying to make it to the other side of the city while someone else is trying to make it there in a Tesla mm. during the same, while you're reviewing the car? Right. So two things are happening at once. I'm tracking a map. And then, oh, yeah. You know? That stuff, I love those ideas. And yeah. then the logistics of actually yeah, shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. them I get is it. Yeah. so, I mean, we had the car for 24 hours. So that's right, an extreme right. example. But I I do think like mm-hmm, the dual narrative sure. type thing yeah. would be fun to play with more, especially mm-hmm. in like the classic gadget review. Because- it's, there's there's lots of opportunities for it. Lots of gadget reviews are pretty straightforward. You know what's coming. Mm-hmm. You know I'm going to get to the specs. You know I'm going to get to the design. You know I'm going to get to the battery life. I'm going to get to the camera, and then we're going to close it out. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's have a little more fun with it. You also mentioned fitness tech with Chris Paul as like a dream yeah. collab when we talked. Yeah. I think fitness tech, though, just with you, would mm-hmm. be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I would be interested in other versions of tech. I'm terrified of crossing those lines, but I might have to eventually. I mean, yeah. the tech in the fitness world is with tempo and tonal and Peloton yeah, and everything now. It's really blowing up and it, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And, but you also have this studio channel to like test these formats, which That's is what, amazing. I think. Yeah. I think we we also have a little more of that flexibility to, 
to play with new formats and ideas and things like that on the studio channel. And I think that's what we will be doing in the next year or so is just like, yeah, I wonder how well shorts will work. Or I wonder if mm-hmm. we can we can do a storytelling type of thing. I mean, we did the thousand mile road trip, but we'll yeah. have more things like that coming up. That'll be fun to play with. Um, I was saying I was I'm afraid of crossing those lines because the the fitness world and the the ultimate tournaments and everything are like my offline time. Mm. And I I I unplug so hard for like two straight days when I go to tournament. And I I know that the second I connect those, I can never unconnect them again. And I'm like, all right, do I really want to start doing fitness tech videos? Cause then that's I'm plugged in forever. I can't unplug. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's interesting how much I think fear is attached to YouTube. Mm. Like as a creator. Like so much so much of your decision making is based on like this this fear of you know, is that it's it's because is that, is that part of my identity yeah. or am I stretching? But I think mm-hmm. it's because those that two thirds of what we talked about with the with your content market fit, where it's like the algorithm and the audience are two thirds of your decision making. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's not necessarily it's only a third of what you want to make. Yeah. All right. Well, I have uh, I have one more question. How fast can you type the alphabet? Do you happen to know off the top of your head? <sighs> I do not know. Okay, well, actually, we can find out real quick. Okay, uh, let's Adam, do it. Do you have the uh, the keyboard, please? All right, here we go. <laughs> so we have a little game here. Do you guys watch Top Gear at all, or have you ever seen it? Do yeah. you know the the race, the reasonably priced car? They kind of all the guests they come on, they put them in this car and they race them around the track and they keep a leaderboard. Oh my god, mm-hmm. this is so terrifying. we kind of wanted oh, a yeah. version of that for the podcast where all our guests were doing it. We have a leaderboard. Um, and we have a little. I could type website. sentences faster than I could type. It is the alphabet. so yeah. much it's harder. Stressful. Yeah. I'm, um, by the way, my palms are sweating so right like now. A, I'm yeah. terrified. We also, yeah. because we're prepared in a tech, that keyboard's terrible because it's a MacBook. We have yeah. a chiclet style keyboard oh. or a mechanical one if you'd rather. Dealer's choice, but or. <sighs> so we've got these. I don't two know what you're more here. comfortable with, but we want to give everyone a fair shot to be. Uh, both our parents do their both best. Our, we also give pair? three tries, so it's not well, right on the tries? We both use this. This? Yeah, yeah. that's more attention. Nice that's more interesting yeah. because, yeah, because we've never used visually it Visually interesting. We both are on the same playing field because we've never used a keyboard like this. Wow, I have like seventh grade, you forgot to do the reading <laughs> yeah. and they just called on got, you nerves. The only thing we're a little worried about is how easy it is to, if someone's a regular watcher all the time and, and starts learning that this is what we do to guess, they'll practice. But so far, everyone has <sighs> I, been equally uh, as nervous. I, I mean, this say. is terrible. So if I mess up, do I So do just I delete? if you mess up, it's not delete. Just get to the next one. Um, yeah, we'll give three tries. It basically starts when you hit A and then <sighs> we'll reset it. Um, no pressure. And then at the end, we can, oh, we'll man, pull up the guys. leaderboard after we're done and we can see where everyone uh all right, here there we go. go. Whenever you're, do you guys do it like this? You don't. No, do it I like did this, home row, but you can you can do however. What's you want. home row? Home like uh like just resting your hands on the keyboard. Like like <sighs> you, in know, all you, the you know the, the two indents. What is it on H the, and J? Yeah, yeah, the the li- li- yeah, that's your home row. The yeah. lingo that you just used made me more nervous. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. ASMR mechanical keyboard. Super accurate. That was it? Yeah. What was your time? 13. 13. Do I do again? 13. Uh, yeah, I get one more. You can go one more, yeah. Okay. I don't know why I'm nervous right now. I'm not even <laughs> doing it. 
it's like being worried you're gonna get called on next mm -hmm. except you know you're getting know called, on, get called on yeah it's like having to do a presentation yeah. Yeah. hoping they go too long so the this bell rings and you don't have to ten. do shake, ten shake three, shake seconds, three seconds that's a huge you improvement. want to try again or Yeah. 10. 10. 10. 10.8. All it's right. a good sounding keyboard too, by the way. Like this is, this is a great sounding keyboard. Uh, screen recording is going. Oh, wow. Yes. This is. Do you want to know your place now or do you want to wait? No, I want to wait. Okay, I want to wait. I want to wait. So should I reset this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just don't mess up. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> there we go. What? What is this pace? But he got to watch me. Oh my God. How do you do? 8.177. Nice. That's a pretty good first round. That's right. a wild first round. I was going through it in my head like... It's, yeah. There's Queens, a couple Queens that are... You're on the keyboard. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. on the ceiling. Wow. Yeah, the, key, yeah. the mechanical yeah. keyboard. Gambit, he was so. going through it. He, <laughs> he was watching, two more. He was watching yeah. my back. <laughs> yeah. I'll do one more. All right. Oh, please. Oh, man. This one I'm You're getting up. a groove. Six seconds. Nice. Yeah, but I think it... ABC. It won't accidentally count one if like you yeah, miss it. It'll it just wait till you finally oh, get okay. it right. So six point um, six seven seven. I mean, you shave two seconds off. You, you want to go for your third I think try? We should go yeah, for the you should. Yeah, at this rate, at this rate, this is this is frustrating for me. <laughs> just, okay. Do I get a rebuttal or no? Uh, <laughs> no. We'll look. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I should have gone second. Uh, you missed C, by the way. All right, that's over then. Uh, yeah, no, there it is. No, he missed okay, C. so it's my second one. That's pretty do, good. Do you want to take his third try? Do you want to? You go can take my third try. Well, you then want. you'll go. Oh, no, you've seen him do it. No, no, we'll, we'll allow. We'll allow. Okay. All right. If you get first place off of this one, there'll be an asterisk. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Cool. Fair. I I don't think. Yeah. Okay. I think I've had too much coffee for this. <laughs> yeah. This is already a mess. Oh, I missed yes. it. Anyway, okay. I didn't even yes. care. Oh, it was gonna be, say, if you're not was, looking, you yeah. can just totally miss. Yeah, it was going to be nine going. seconds. It's so. good. Yeah. It's all right. good. All right. All right. All right. Well, we'll get it? that. We'll get, how about we'll have the best number represent Colin and Samir. Okay. We'll have oh, best both. number. Well, team. Yeah. Your team. Team score. Best right. number cool. on the leaderboard. Team score. Colin's not happy about that. No, no. I'm fine with that. Okay. Okay. Let's see. That pretty good. Team score would be, what was it? 6.8. We're looking at. Seventh place out of oh my god, what is first place? 14, 4.432. 4. Who was that? Yeah, uh, Quinn from Snazzy Labs, a okay. tech channel. I'm not sure wow. if you guys are too. Yeah. Doug Demuro's on here at 5.9. Wow, Doug he DeMuro. did pretty good. Yeah, he also wow. did it on his lap, like laying down on a couch. Yeah. so that was pretty impressive. That's pretty That's impressive. impressive. We'll say, you know, you're not used to the the keyboard. This is a That's new what keyboard did it for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it was, what it was. For if me. this was in yeah. a Gmail and on your laptop, sure. you'd be flying. Yeah, too much coffee. Yeah, yeah, wow. Nerve-wracking. Samir, yeah. we appreciate the time, yeah, and uh, I'm glad we got to have you guys in the studio in person. We're going to probably do these more often, but thank you for, for coming out here Thanks and for, uh, for spending the time. If you guys want to watch the video that they've done on their channel, visiting the studio, little mini tour, little rapid-fire 20 questions, stuff like that, definitely check out their channel. We'll link it below, but obviously you want to watch their other videos too, so if that's not up by the time this is up, watch those. And I think that's pretty much it for Waveform this week. Thanks for watching. Catch you guys next time. See ya. Peace.
first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.